Dynamic Women Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Linda Crater celebrate the thoughts and opinions of magnetic, spirited, and influential women. Each week, bold, brilliant women spark vigorous conversations on the complexities of life, love, and happiness. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with my lovely co-host Linda Crater and this is a party of, what do we have, five girls on the, sh- on the show today and I want you guys listening today to think about sitting around the table with a bunch of really powerful, dynamic, wonderful women over a glass of wine, a bottle of water, a Diet Coke, whatever you're fancy and talking about women's issues and today we're going to talk about excellence with respect to women's issues and we're going to span the United States today. We're going to talk with Kimberly Rinaldi in Los Angeles, Linda Crater out of Washington, D.C., Linda Franklin out of New York City, and Mafalda Halligan out of New Jersey. So we've got a wonderful roundtable today for discussion on excellence, and we hope that our discussions that we're having, that our opinions start discussions in your own home, in your own circle of friends, so that we can increase discussion, we can increase understanding, and we can start discussions, not end them. So I'm going to start the discussion right now with excellence. Now, one of the things that Madeline Albright said, who's one of my favorite people and one of the women who inspired uh, today's episode, is she said this, I have said this many times that there seems to be enough room in the world for mediocre men, but not for mediocre women. And we women really have to work very, very, very hard. So I would like to open up the floor for the discussion on excellence with respect to women. And why is it so much harder for women to achieve excellence for men? Or is it the same? So I'm going to open up the floor. Who would like to go first? Ah, where do we get crickets? Is that what you yeah, said? More crickets. crickets. Everybody's shy today. So I'm going to go with Linda Franklin in New York. Linda, talk to me about excellence. You know, I don't know. I don't even know what that word means, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, uh, women, it, it, traditionally women have to fight a little bit harder to get where they want to go than men do. Does that make it excellence? I don't know. Are men excellent? I don't think so. Um, you know, so I don't know what that means. I, I think women... As I said at the have to have to have to think it out a little bit more. Have to try a little bit harder, especially if they're in a man's world. Uh, you know, doing doing what men have traditionally done. So ex- I don't know excellence. I don't know, ladies. Help me out. What does excellence mean? Linda Crater, uh, Washington D.C. Talk about excellence. You know, I think you make a very good point on what does excellence mean because when you asked whether it's men or women or or who works harder, I, I do think women have to work a bit harder to be able to be seen and heard uh, than men do. But personally, I think women put pressure on themselves to achieve excellence in all things. And it's very, very difficult to be excellent in all things. And so I think you almost have to define where it is important in your life that you wish to be excellent, excellent, and then focus on that because otherwise you will drive yourself crazy. And in a previous show, we talked about balance and you will never achieve balance if you try and be excellent in all things. 
Now, for those of you listening that like to know about those shows, you can go to dynamicwomentalkradio.com to listen to shows on voice and balance and commonality, networking, and today's topic is excellent. I'm going to go over to Kimberly Rinaldi in Los Angeles. Kimberly, talk to me about excellence with respect to women. You know, I think it has a lot to do with gender roles as we have defined and accepted them, and I'm not saying this has been done by choice. I am five foot two, and I can remember being four years old, wanting to buy an ice cream at the thrifty ice cream counter, being passed over as I stood there holding a dollar, and bless my mother's um, heart, she walked up and she looked at me, and at four years old, this message is stuck. She said, you are female, you are Hispanic, you are short, and until you learn to stand up and speak out, you will be overlooked. Huh. And it was I'm four years old. This message still sits with me. I went into healthcare, which is a you know, it's a traditionally female arena. Yet I came in with very masculine energy because I carried that with me. I think the issue for us is sugar and spice and everything nice and all of mm-hmm. those things that we're taught. We don't know how to take it into the playground of the real world. Now, I'm going to go over to Mafalda, New Jersey. Mafalda, you're the vice president of human resources for ADP. And is that typically a women-dominated industry or male-dominated industry? I know Linda Franklin was Wall Street male-dominated. Linda Crater was pharmaceuticals male-dominated. And uh, Kimberly Rinaldi, obviously, male-dominated. How about, let's talk on behalf of your background. I think in terms of human resources, it's definitely more female dominated than it is male dominated. But in terms of the actual companies um, on the corporate front, I think that females have certainly um, made a lot of headway in in that arena. Um, You know, if I think about, you know, prior to, to coming on the show, I was just reading about how 1995, you had zero CEOs in terms of Fortune 500 companies. And as of last year, there were 25 um, that were leading Fortune 500 companies. That's only 5% of them, but I think that we're certainly making some headway. Um, in terms of what, you know, Linda was just speaking about, you know, in terms of sugar and spice and everything nice, I, I think that there's almost this phenomenon of, motherhood penalty and fatherhood bonus, if you know what I'm saying. Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? Where, you know, mothers are sometimes often seen as less committed to work than non-mothers or fathers are viewed as equally competent as men without children or sometimes even more significantly committed to work. Um, So there's sort of this double standard for women that they face in the workplace. And I don't necessarily know what the solution to it is, but I also feel that, um, you know, especially females, they're not just challenged in the workplace, but they're also challenged at home. There's this mm-hmm. cultural pressure to succeed both on the work front, but then on the home front. You know, I come home, I have two children, six and a five-year-old, and I'm still working when I come home. <laughs> so I think, it, you know, excellence is... Um, it's tricky because how do you how are you excellent in all fronts of your life? Well, I agree with you. I'm going to uh, jump in here about the demands. Um, I had a very high-powered career in Beverly Hills before I formed my own uh, multimedia company. And when Mafaldo, when I had my second child, uh, my Zachary, I got pregnant with him. 
my boss told me, she goes, oh, she knows you're done. Don't don't have another child. She goes, you'll never be able to X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at the other male executives who had four, five, six kids. I'm only in number two. And she's like, you know, pretty much you're done. And you can you can expect to have nothing in the career path. And it true turned out to be true. And I did quit. And it was a good thing because I formed my own company, Motherhood Incorporated, for the sheer reason of allowing women to be their dynamic selves and still have those masculine and feminine sides to us or the exert our dominant energy in, in certain places. I'm going to go to Linda Franklin right now to talk about that masculine energy and does it work well for women? Because some of us have a lot of masculine energy just the way we're born. I always did. And it wasn't something I cultivated. It was just there. Um, but using it as a woman has required me to walk this earth 40 years before I got good at it. So Linda Franklin. Uh, I don't think I was born with this all this masculine energy, but I certainly developed it along the way. And I would say Wall Street certainly helped me with that. Um, certainly working, I was the only woman partner in the firm, so um, I developed tons of it. <laughs> and it, you know, in Wall Street, it was a good thing. At home, it wasn't such a good thing. And you know what? You really, if you're in the, in, the, in the trenches all day with the men and working hard and getting things done and being under the gun and cursing like a truck driver, it's really hard to come home and be this nice, sweet little wifey. And um, I tried, um, and I, you know, I, I worked at it, but certainly I, I wasn't that successful. So, I, you know, it was a double-edged sword. It was great in business, not so great at home. Since I've left Wall Street, I have um, let a lot of that go because I realized when I started to do uh, the Real Cougar Woman blog and, and, and the veteran uh, effort that women weren't relating to me because I was too tough. And so I really had a soft, it worked for the men, it did not work for the women. So I really had to, to soften, uh, had to soften the whole thing out. And, um, I think now I have a, I, it, there's a better balance. I, I have my masculine energy when I need it, cause it's there, it's just like <laughs> hanging below the surface. But I also have a more compassionate woman's, woman's side to me now than I've ever had before. Well, I think that's uh, typical of many of us, Kimberly, from Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles. You know, and, and I love that direction. The The issue for me, and I'm going through perimenopause, I'm 50, and the one thing I wasn't anticipating was becoming this tearful little bundle of cuddles because mm. I've <laughs> lived in that masculine, competitive world for so long. And, and even though my businesses focus on lessons and joyful living, the drive behind it is all this masculine energy and that's what pushes me. But now I'm this, you know, tearful little bundle of fluffy cuddles and I'm finding that natural balance. The thing for me, I think to remember is we do contain both of those energies and it's being able to define where they're best utilized. And I think that's the issue that I've had to really sort of grapple with. Well, and a tough man can be a tough man at business and a tough man at home, but right. it's very, I'm sorry, what? Oh, I, I'm sorry, right, yeah. 
Absolutely. It's, it's a double edged sword. And, and for many of us, um, you know, and Linda Creter will talk a little bit more about this, uh, about tough versus strong, you know, as a single mother raising two small children and owning my own multimedia company, I have to be tough at home and at, you know, work. It's, it's really tough to know where I end and where other things begin. Now, toughness is very natural for me and it's certainly, um, been enhanced by what's happened to me in my life, but I don't know how to, how to be any different. And that's one of the things that we're talking about today. When we have these discussions, we know better, we can do better. When we come back from the break, we're going to visit longer with Kimberly Rinaldi in Los Angeles, Linda Crater in Washington, D.C., Linda Franklin in New York City, and Mafalda Halligan in New Jersey. We'll be back after the break. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Lifting weights increases your metabolism. The Journal of Sports Science and Medicine reports that people who pair aerobic exercise with resistance training eat 517 fewer calories a day than those who do only cardio work. The combination workouts may increase the hormones that make you feel satisfied and boost the body's ability to break down food and stabilize blood sugar so that you feel fuller longer. If you feel full, you won't eat as much to feel satisfied. The Sporting Goods Manufacturers Association's latest survey found that over 80% of women skip weight training. That's shocking. I encourage you to go to the next level of weight-reducing, calorie-burning exercise. Combine cardio exercise with strength training and see your body weight change. I'm Annette Hammond. Contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Linda Crater, and this is Dynamic Women, and we are having our table of five roundtable today, and a party of five, and we're talking about excellence, and we're going to talk about strength and softness, as well as what is our instinct, like instinctually, when something happens to us, when we're challenged, like, you know, the tiger is poked in the cage, um... When I'm poked, when someone comes at me, my first instinct is to freeze, to run away, 
like hide in a cave, figure out what I'm supposed to do and come back. And that is a, a defense mechanism that I've really had to work hard with because when people are angry and they come at me, I just freeze. I go blank. I'm, I think I'm a pretty smart woman, but I go completely blank and then I have to retreat and then I have to think about it formulate my answer and then go. So that's me. And that's how I handle it. I I'm still confused with strength and softness, tough versus strong, you know, these labels that we give each other. Um, but I'm going to go to Kimberly Rinaldi first. I'm going to ask each one of you, what is your instinct when faced with combat? Oh God. Yeah. My husband calls me a bull in a China shop. I don't attack people, but I will plow through the problem and knock someone down in the process because I'm going to fix it regardless of the outcome. And, you know, in this, this again, fluffy bundle of cuddles I'm turning into, I have to take a step back and take a breath and look at where might the collateral damage lie and Think about the words because sometimes I say things and it's never intended at someone, but what comes back is I've been very um, not nice in the things I've said because I address the issue without taking feelings into consideration. I don't consider other people's feelings. It's hard. Uh, we're going to go to Linda Crater in Washington, D.C. I think probably the the words matter to me just because I really enjoy words. And so when I think of tough versus strong, I am a very strong woman, but I am not a tough woman. Um, to me, and this is my personal perception, tough would mean that it doesn't hurt when people say things that are harsh or cruel uh, or wrong, unjustified. That's the worst. So I would say that I went through phases. I was, um, I, I would say I've always been strong, but my life, in my 40s, I became toughened due to circumstances. And I really didn't like who I became at that point. And that's when I decided that strength was fine. I could live with strength and, and being strong and have the right energy to, to fix things and be a leader and those sorts of things. But I was not okay when I became tough because I didn't like the person I became. And so I shifted and now I, I feel as though I'm in the balance between that and closer to the strong, softer side, if you will, because my natural instinct, if I'm facing something horrible, is to also be a fixer. But because the few times I let fly, the outcome was negative and unproductive for me, I became aware of the outcome and taking into consideration other people's feelings because there was a way to make it win-win if I simply stopped and reflected for a moment before I responded. And I use the word responded very carefully because if I react, that never brought the same outcomes as when I responded. So natural instinct to be a fixer but to consider others doesn't always work, but I certainly give it a try and strong versus tough. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, we're going to go to Linda Franklin in New York City. Well, I have to say I I kind of uh, feel a kinship to Kimberly because my husband also calls me a bull in a china shop. 
But I, again, I've softened, but my, but my, if, if I'm confronted with something or if something isn't going my way or, you know, just something unpleasant, my first instinct is to, is to fight back. I mean, but I'm learning now not to go with my first instinct and to just take a breath and to, you know, mm. just cool it and think about what I'm going to say. I never, ever did that before. Because I would just let it come out, but I'm I'm learning. I think that that's called maturity. Um, and I'm also um, and if if something and and I this is the spiritual part that's coming out in me too. Um, if if somebody is doing all of that crazy stuff to me or a situation or everything's going wrong, I've got to feel I'm it's me. I'm attracting that to myself. So stop it, girl, because you don't like the results. So you better you know get you know get onto another track. I take blame for everything because I believe mm-hmm. that all those things are a result of what I'm what I'm turning out. Wow, that is so interesting. Um, Mafalda Halligan, or Halligan, New Jersey. You know, it's interesting because I actually don't see a distinction between toughness and strong. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like the two are somewhat interchangeable. When I think of toughness, I think more of that mental toughness and that willpower. Um, I was an athlete growing up, so I I touch on a lot of the things that I learned in sports, in soccer and track, and and having the willpower that when there is a problem or there's stress, um, you know, my first inclination is to not panic and not to lose control, but to zero in on how I can overcome that problem, right? And almost do this sort of... um, you know, root cause analysis in my head and try to figure out, well, how can I, how can I determine, you know, what's the biggest factor here that that's creating the stress, whether it's on a personal level or on a professional level? Um, because I, I do feel, especially with women, if you react in a certain way in that, um, in that bull, like a China shop manner that, you know, people, especially in the professional realm, will think that, oh, well, she's just being irrational. She's just being crazy, you know? Um, and so being that I, I I was always very cognizant of that, especially on the professional level, I always tried to not react that way and, and take the lessons that I learned from sports and uh, and really, you know, when things were, were bad, you know, get that second wind and, um, and, and sort of not let fatigue get in the way and really try to push harder despite whatever's going on. So... Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know that there's a distinction for me between that mental toughness and that strong. To me, I think the mental toughness comes with practice. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the more we're tested, the more mentally tough we become if we allow it. But I also think we have to train our mental toughness just like we do strength. And Mafalda, I too was an athlete. And so I, 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 I kind of resonate with a lot of what you're saying. Um, and I've noticed that as I've gone through like the divorce and the death of my mom and bringing my 80 year old dad into my household, that my mental fitness is really important. I need to constantly monitor my thoughts so I don't go down, you know, kind of rabbit trails that that put me behind the eight ball. Um, But the strength also has to be uh, physical 
and mental and emotional strength. And I think that comes with practice, just like we would practice whatever our sport was. I swam and, and, you know, the more time I spent in the pool, the more mentally tough and physically fit I got. Uh, but I think they all go together. So I'm going to go to, um, to Linda Franklin. Um, you made a comment in the chat, Linda, about it depends on the job. Talk to me about the job. Well, it it depends what kind of a world you're working in. If you're working in in the high stress, high money that 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 I was, and you're the only woman, and your job was to get things done, you couldn't afford to. And it, and and a lot of times it it wasn't you know that you had time to think about it. You just had to do it. And so if I I you know strong and tough, I don't know. Strong, I I, I think that it means that. Um, I, you know, I don't see a big distinction either. The only thing I think about tough is that it, you're not absorbing the, uh, the feedback, the emotion that's coming through. And, and I, I always did. So I, I appeared tougher on the outside than I was on the inside, but I had to do that because if I hadn't done that, I never would have achieved what I did. But, you know, there was, I always went back and relived it and said, oh, I, I, I should have done it. This would have been a better way. And I think that that is part of strong. Um, if it was just mm-hmm. tough, 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 if it was Donald Trump tough, then you never, you don't even think about it. I mean, you just, you just let it out and then it's forgotten. Um, that was never the case with me. Linda Crater, Washington, D.C. I agree with that, Linda, and that's why I say that I am strong, not tough. I also have always endeavored to not be tough um, because I, I felt that sometimes that would be that would be adding an armor and letting people get to me to the point where I was not going to set myself up to new experiences or to uh, be open to being hurt. And as I would tell my children, if you don't make yourself vulnerable at times, you won't live life to the fullest. I love the sports analogies because I see that strength and toughness in my daughter, who was an All-American sailor and soccer player and all of that. But in my time, we didn't have sports. It was pre-Title IX, and you you just didn't have it. And I think that the women of today who grow up in sports teams, etc., are growing up with a huge advantage. I think it's terrific. But I also agree with Linda on the job depends on being strong up front. But I wonder how long we wear masks, because I know in business – And in my personal life for much of the years, I wore a mask a lot of the time, pretending that I was tougher than I really was. Now I know that was strength. Girls, I think, you know, you you raise a lot of good points um, during this segment about the roles we play, the shields we put up, what is what we show to the public, you know, what is our public face versus what is our private face. Um, And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk more about the public and private personas and then accepting help. Because is accepting health a strength or a weakness? That's something I think we battle back and forth on as women, maybe as humans. I don't know. I can't speak for men. The one thing I will say is that 
Um, I think also that in developing strength and toughness, I think when women have brothers, and I'd like to introduce mm-hmm. this in the next segment, um, I had an older and a younger brother, and if I wanted to participate, boy, I had to suck it up. I could not cry. I had to keep up with them, and I think it did a lot of good for me in my professional career. Um, it gave me a great understanding, I think, of men. Um But those roles could not be played out any differently. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk more about the roles we play, the shields we put up in our family and lifestyle experiences. For more episodes like this, check us out at dynamicwomentalkradio.com. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Our bodies need sodium, so salt itself isn't bad. According to Harvard Medical School, it's the amount of salt we eat that's concerning. Nine out of ten of us eat too much salt, and the CDC says that most of it is not coming from the salt shaker. The U.S. guidelines recommend that most people get less than 2,300 milligrams of salt a day, but that the average American eats about 3,300 milligrams of salt daily. Those over the age of 51 should eat even less, keeping their intake to 1,500 milligrams a day. Shockingly, that's just over one half of a teaspoon of salt. Cutting back on salt can lower blood pressure and reduce the risk of stroke and heart disease. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. women and I made the analogy that like if I wanted to play with my brothers I couldn't cry I couldn't be weak I had to keep up and I learned to compete with them and it also affected my personal relationships because I learned that it was natural to compete with men which was great from a 
uh, work standpoint, but not so great in the relationship standpoint. I don't think our husbands, partners, significant others like it when we compete with them at every turn. And that was something that I had to learn about myself, something that was valued and respected when I was growing up, but didn't work so great in the dating arena. Um, I'm going to go to um, Linda Franklin first to talk a little bit about the roles we play and the, the way that our life has shaped us. And for me, I've learned to be conscious of competing with the man in my life. Um, not always good at it, <laughs> but at least I'm aware of it. Well, you know, I, I said in the last segment, um, the role that I p- played was a tough woman on Wall Street, and I was really good at it. Um, at home, I, I had to learn over the years to soften up because, you know, you, you come home and you're beating your chest and you say, I can do it all, um, and I don't really need anybody. You're here, but that's, you know, that's okay. Um, so I, I had to, you know, it, everything is a learning experience. Um, I, and I know when I, even now when, that I've, I've softened, <laughs> maybe I'm another little ball of fluff now as well, um, <laughs> I'll ask my husband for help. You know, can you open this jar? Can you do this? Can you change this light bulb? Can you do that? Can you fix this? And he likes that. And you know what? I like it too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning that I, I don't have to do it all by myself and that um, I... I get more now, not with toughness, uh, but with, with sweetness. <laughs> well, I think that's important. I think that's something that that everybody needs uh, to have these different gears to shift into. Linda Crater, what have you found? You know, I, I love listening to that because I'm particularly poor at asking for help. I've often, people will say, let me why don't you call me? I could have helped you with that. And then you do, and I'm speaking specifically of men, and then they don't, or, oh, I didn't want to help you with that, or something, some comment akin to that. But I read this somewhere, and I believe it to be true, and it goes along with what Linda Franklin just said. It was a quote that I'm paraphrasing. It said, if you look like you can do everything, you won't be helped. And I think people do like to help others. And I think it's ingrained in men to a certain degree to help women. Now, women are imbued with helping everyone. Um, but I, I think that it is okay to be vulnerable. And I have found that the more vulnerable I'm willing to make myself be, not make myself, but allow myself to be, that I I do get more help. I do get more um buy-in from the men in my world and it's more peaceable it's it's really nice it doesn't feel like the competitive um, field with lions that sometimes it felt at, at times in my life so I, I agree with Linda Franklin that it there is a, a softening and a, a, a need to be needed on both sides of the male female spectrum and it and it works best that way at least for me Kimberly Rinaldi Los Angeles you know, having worked in healthcare where decision making was immediate and outcomes were potentially life and limb, um, yeah, having to step up and make decisions and deal with repercussions ingrained 20 years of, as my two-year-old niece used to say, me do it. And <laughs> I, I, you know, it's that, no, I've got it. I've got it. I'll mm-hmm. take it. I've got it. I can handle it. Um, to the extent that even something as simple as having a family event, you know, here, let's help with the dishes. No, sit, enjoy. I've got it. 
I now bite my tongue, even though my first instinct is, I've got it, I will bite my tongue and say, thank you. I'm, I'm really just learning how to say thank you. Mm-hmm. I still haven't transitioned into the will you, can you, would you, but just accepting the assistance because in that corporate environment, in that healthcare environment, asking for help is often perceived or was, I should say, often perceived as weakness and mm-hmm. just not something I could allow. Well, and I think, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to chime in here because one of the things that I noticed is when, um, when, when I was going through my divorce and my mom was dying, any um, respect, um, any, any request for help that I made, made me feel like a failure. This wasn't anything other than my own belief system was that if I asked for help, it was an admission. I can't do it myself. And if I can't do it myself, I have no one to rely on and it's going to be a disaster. That was kind of my thinking at that point. Um, But as I got through the divorce, as my mom was buried and I was done, you know, with the worst part of my grieving, I could start ex- seeing the logic of accepting health and going, wow, of course, no one can do all this. What were you thinking? Mm-hmm. But at the time, any asking for help was considered a failure. And I really had blinders on. Have you guys ever had blinders on based on... um uh, you know, based on an experience. Let's go with Linda Crater. Oh, I think you already know the answer to that. Of course it is. And I do agree, stepping back a second with Kim, uh, yes, with Kimberly, about at, at work is very different than uh, our roles at, at home. Have, have I had that experience? Yes. Um, I can't think of something specific at the moment to go with that. Ask it again, Sandra. I lost it. Um, it was really about when crisis happens in your life, how, how you suspend your good judgment. Like, like now, if I said, oh, I need help, it's like, of course I need help. I can't do all this. But right. I'm in a position now where I'm able to receive help and I'm not so maybe blinded by fear. I don't know what keeps us from accepting help at different times in our life. That's what I'm, that's the that's a good. I'm that's down. it. Thank you for rephrasing that. I think it was because I had put up a wall when I was going through a lot of pain. And so as you put up the wall, no, no, I've got it. Just like it has been discussed several times by the other women. And yet you really don't have it. Um, and my daughter once said something to me that has, it was scarring at the time. It probably still is because I'm mentioning it, but you know, I said to her, I'm really doing the best I can. And what she said to me back was, well, your best used to be better. And that hurt, but she was right. She was absolutely right. I wasn't the best I could be at that point in time. I was at the moment for the circumstances, and that was hard, but she was a teenager, and that's what they come out with. But it made me step up and realize that, you better get some help because you really aren't doing as well as you think you are. And we're back to that vulnerability uh, access and and are we willing to say we need help? And I I think sometimes it pushes you to the point where you do then ask for help. And I needed it. Linda Franklin, New York City. Um, I think that this whole thing on asking for help and everything goes back to excellence. I mean, I, I could relate... 
um, to, you know, when people come over and um, just, you know, they want to help and I say, no, no, just sit there and enjoy yourself and I want to do it. It's almost like nobody can do it as good as you can. So if they're going to they're gonna do it, I'm only going to have to redo it. <laughs> and, you know, we stop ourselves a lot because of, of we're going back to excellence because we always think we can do it better. But that's not always the criteria, and we don't realize that um, we can hurt other people's feelings by by stopping them in their tracks when they want to help us. So, you know, I've gotten a little bit better, not 100%. I still believe that, you know, when it comes to certain things, I can do it better so and faster because I'm really fast. So, you know, let me just do it. And I don't know what that is. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what the root of all of that is. But, you know, I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Let's go to uh, Kimberly Rinaldi. You know, and, and sort of tailing on to what Linda was saying, and I totally get that. Why would I let you help if I have to redo it? Um, yes, I can do it better. Yes, I can do it faster. One of the things, and this has become sort of a litmus t- test for me, Am I focused on the process or should I be focused on the outcome? If the dishes get loaded in the dishwasher and they're not meeting my OCD standards, are they still going to be clean when the dishwasher is done? The answer is yes. So start focusing on process versus outcome. I find that sort of frees up a little extra bandwidth in my energy to say, okay, yes, no, go load the dishwasher and mutter under my breath, even if you do it wrong. Um, I'm human. I'm working on it. I, you know, but it's, it's process or outcome driven. You've got to kind of find that space. Mafalda Halligan, you're back. I'm so happy. Um, you want to comment on the role of excellence and asking for help? You know, I have to admit it doesn't come easy for me. I'm getting better at it, but I still have a long way to go. I consider myself pretty independent. So asking for help is definitely not something that comes naturally to me. And there are many times that I'd rather go at it alone than admit I'm in need of assistance. And I think this comes somewhere along the way. Something, someone told me, maybe society, I don't know, that asking for help equated to weakness or dependence. But what I've discovered is that it's anything but that. It's actually, you know, as I've gotten into my role as a a coach to to female leaders, I I have found that um, it's actually a great sign of strength, not only to admit that you're in need of help, but to accept help from others. Because it takes a strong person to be self-aware of your own limitations, admit to them, and, and it takes a strong person to solicit the support of other people and accept that help. Um, sometimes I almost feel like, am I trying to be a martyr? Because I feel like, you know, um, if I admit to not knowing something or needing help in some specific area of work, it'll undermine, you know, um, my authority or other people will see me as weak or incapable of fulfilling these job responsibilities. But, you know, I, I think um, it, it takes practice, both in my professional life and in my home life. If you talk to my husband, Mafalda, I'm going to have to stop you. We're going to commercial break for uh, when we come back. We'll hear more from Mafalda, and I want you guys to check out dynamicwomentalkradio.com for this and other episodes like it. We'll be back after the break. We're Dynamic Women Talk Radio, and we'll return after these short messages.
Are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Back pain can really be a bother. Men's Health Magazine states that 80% of all men suffer from back pain. One of the best things you can do to ward off lower back problems is strengthen your abdominal muscles. 75% of all lower back problems can be prevented by building your ab muscles. When your abs are weak, The muscles in your buttocks and the back of your legs, your hamstrings, have to work harder to keep your spine stable. One of the easiest abdominal exercises is crunches. Keep your low back on the floor at all times. Squeeze your abdominals as you crunch up and lower slowly in a controlled manner. You can do several sets of crunches every day to strengthen your abs and beat back pain. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, Visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. With Linda Franklin, Kimberly Rinaldi, uh, Linda Crater and Mafalda Holligan, and we are talking about excellence. And one of the things that I found recently, um, I was I, I I sold a book, and um, my deadline was was recent, and I had the opportunity after the deadline passed. I had turned it in. Then the publisher turned around and said, "Oh, you know, we need a we need another copy. The copy we have is corrupted. It won't open." And I had a week in which I could redo it again for like the 90th time. And the question that came to mind in the pursuit of excellence, when do you let it go? Because you can be editing and re-editing your book or your painting or whatever it is you're creating over and over and over and over again. And you can actually get in that perpetual wheel of the pursuit of excellence, but never actually completing something. And so my question to the round table today is when do you let it go? Like, what do you what do you use as your criteria for letting go? I'm going to go to Linda Franklin first. Well, yeah, it happens with a book. I mean, I know I did it with my book to let it's like birthing a baby and all, you know, to let it go out into the universe. I think that that excellence thing comes out of fear, because once it's out of your hands, then you haven't got control anymore. We were talking about control in in some of our shows. And um, and it's like, okay. Now I'm I'm out of control, you know, what's going to happen? But I think what I'm learning now and, and what I'm doing now, and it's so much easier, is I've done the best I can do with this particular 
project. I'm going to just throw it out into the universe and um, and just let's see what happens. And I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just putting mm-hmm. it out there and, you know, let's see what, you know, que sera, sera. And it's really, really so much easier on your psyche when you do that. You've done the best you can. Just let it go. Linda Crater in Washington, D.C. on Letting Go. I love the way you said that, Linda. Um, There was a saying, it said, perfection is sought, excellence will be accepted. And I think a lot of us bought into that, thinking that was the way it would be. What I use as my personal barometer for when to let it go is, I'll just go back to the beginning. God created the world, and he said it was good. And isn't that enough 90% of the time? Wow, that is, that's profound. Mafalda, um, New Jersey, when do you let it go? I think exactly, um, exactly the same way. Go back to the beginning and look at what the goal was and, and have I achieved that goal to the best of my ability? Have I reached the high standards of excellence that I set out to, to, to go down that road and to do that? And if I've done that, then have to let it go see you guys are so so precise and so clean about it and maybe this is why like my nickname is train wreck beck but i just vote for <laughs> never it heard like, that. yeah with all i have my my softball jersey says that my local town softball jersey um i just go for it until i have nothing left to give and I'm of the like exhaustion thing. Like when I'm exhausted of it and I'm sick of it and I don't want to look at it anymore and I can't do anymore. Like I get this thing where I'm done, 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 done. And when I hit done, then I'm done, but I'm not done till I'm done. And if somebody I'm like Sheldon Cooper with two knocks and the third knock on the door hasn't come. If I don't get that third knock, like if I don't get to my done, then I have a really, really hard time dealing with turning something in. And I don't think it's a perfection thing. It's a personal thing where, or a control thing. Maybe it's like, I know what I can do and I know what I can produce and I have to be able to produce it to my standard. And I really don't care about anybody else. And a lot of times I will make people wait to work on my standard. Um, but it's my standard of excellence. And so um, I'm going to go over to Kimberly uh, Rinaldi in Los Angeles, ask for her um, opinion on when do you let it go? Uh, do you consciously let it go or do you just burn out like I do? You know, it, it actually it goes both ways. And if it's something that I can foresee and sort of foreshadow, then I go back to that process or outcome exercise. What's important in this? And sometimes I have to bring myself back to that during the process because I'll get caught up in the process and I do a lot of creative work and, and, you know, I work with a lot of artists as well. And I have to, you know, is the outcome what's really important? Is the process what's really important? And again, that the, I guess, the risk of sounding a little embracing of the woo, um, there's energy behind everything, whether it's a thought, an emotion, a belief, an experience, a behavior, I have to stand back and look at the energy behind it. Where am I in this process? And have I hit every, every point that I should? So burnout, yeah, you know, we're human. We're walking through the process because the outcome for each of us really is the same. Absolutely. Linda Franklin, New York City. 
Um, I look at what price are we paying for excellence, and and you know mm. if you're exhausted, if you're if you're if you're not sleeping, if you're not uh, doing, if you're being uh, irritable with your children, all of those things, then then the price is too high. I mean, I have a good friend that always asks me, "Is the juice worth the squeeze?" And you have to answer that, and only you can answer that. But when you're really driven to the end because you're you know you got to just get it, that's just that perfect, that excellence, then I I think the price is a pretty high one. I love that. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Linda Crater, Washington, D.C. I agree with everything Linda Franklin just said. Um, we, we do so often forget about looking at the price. And it's so incredibly important because it really is, it has to be worth it. Or, or what are you really doing? Satisfying, you know, some ego thing. Um, if it's not affecting the outcome as uh, Kimberly was saying, or Mafalda was saying, pardon me, then I think that the price can be too high. And so I do my very best, and that has to be enough. Wow. I, you know, I'm learning a lot from, from you girls because uh, this is an area of my life that I really have a hard time managing. You know, when I'm in crisis or everything is just um, – everything is just going haywire, it's it's easier for me because I can just react. I can just do what needs to be done at the time. Um, but now in non-crisis mode, I find that it's difficult uh, because now I have to prioritize. Now I have to think about is the juice worth the squeeze or is Kimberly so eloquently put, like is it the process versus the outcome? When I have time to think about that, it's one thing. Uh, but it's when I don't have time, it's easier. And do you guys find it's easier to handle the knee jerk reaction? Like I'm a good shoot from the hip. I like to pull the trigger. I can pull the trigger quickly. I'm usually pretty good at it, but I'm a better trigger puller under pressure than I am when I'm not under pressure. I'm going to go to Linda Franklin to talk about pulling the trigger under pressure or having time to think what's your natural reaction and what feels good. When when it's uh, a tri- uh, when it is um, a, di- a deadline or it's an emergency, um, I think I probably still would go into got you know I gotta I gotta act I gotta get this done mode um, because you're not thinking it, it's not a thinking thing it's just a natural gut reaction and, and that's where I would go. But thank God that isn't you know the <laughs> the majority of my life those things happen sporadically. And uh, otherwise, I am, I always am thinking now, is the juice worth the squeeze? Kimberly Rinaldi. You know, honestly, for me, the issue comes down to what am I trying to resolve within myself? Because these are all lessons. And I look at, it's the old adage what do they call the guy who graduates last from medical school doctor Mm -hmm. so how much of this am I going to put myself out there how uncomfortable am I going to make myself and in the grand scheme of things what is the outcome I'm trying to achieve so knee jerk yeah again human still trying to work through it do we have Mafalda still or did we drop did she drop I'm here Oh, there she is. Okay, Mafalda. I think, um, in a sense, I, I listened to my husband's adage where he says to me, quit being a teacher's pet, you know, 
um, I think some of us never outgrew our people-pleasing ways, and perfection is, is at its core, you know, about earning approval and acceptance, and I think that somewhere along the way we adopt this dangerous and debilitating belief system that I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. So I think I have to sort of weigh the risk and take a step back and do a self-talk and, and figure out if the work is worth it and know what habits um, take time and let go of my of my ways to, to try to make sure that I can move on to the next thing on my to-do list because there's plenty to do. Linda Franklin, uh, you want to make a comment about ego? Yeah, I, I think that when we when we drive ourselves and, and we, we strive for perfection or excellence, I think that that's our ego. And, you know, uh, every time we're attached to our ego, um, things always don't turn out the way we would hope. So it's it's like getting it. Does it feel good? It's not a, it's not about the ego thing. Um, it's the result that you want, uh, not having your ego talk and drive you to 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 distraction because it always will if you allow it to. Absolutely, I think we all battle ego, and our ego affects us as mothers. It affects us as um, business people. It affects us as coaches and leaders. I think it's it's very difficult to separate out the ego from from the from the issue. Uh, Kimberly Rinaldi, any last comments? You know, it, it, the, the good news is all of these behaviors um, can be changed. All of these thought processes we become addicted to our biochemistry. And as we've all stated, we're working on it. And the new biochemistry we can build is what we're looking at. And I think that's something that our listeners can really focus on. Decide what it is you want and start building that biochemical pathway and just keep moving in the right direction whenever you can focus on it. Wonderfully said. Kimberly Rinaldi, Los Angeles. I'd like to thank our guests today, uh, Linda Crater from Washington, D.C., Linda Franklin for New York City, Mafalda Holligan, who battled the, the big Wi-Fi giant to get back with us. We appreciate your diligence in coming back to today's show. When we come back next week, we're going to talk about networking. Now, if you like today's show and you like the ladies on it, you can find out more about us on dynamicwomentalkradio.com. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for tuning in today to Dynamic Women Talk Radio and join us each week. You can find more shows on dynamicwomentalkradio.com.